Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 35. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I hope you're finding some great value on all these shows. If you haven't done so already, please go to iTunes and subscribe to the show and leave a review. It helps out with the rankings, helps out with the visibility, which is so critical at this stage. So again, I appreciate all the support, all the great reviews, all the great emails that I've received from you guys out there. I love hearing from you. I will answer every email. Also remember, I got some coaching spots available still for the late April and mid-May. They're filling up fast, but I appreciate that. And it's another thing I love to do is help you in your leadership journey. Show is brought to you by Audible.com. Again, a special offer for you guys out there. Go to doseofleadership.com slash Audible and download your free audiobook. A lot of the books we talk about on the show, some of the guests that have written the books, you can find them at Audible.com and you can download them onto your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, whichever way, any other smart device that you have and you can catch up on all your reading. So again, doseofleadership.com slash Audible. Again, thanks for all your support and enjoy the interview. Well, I'm so pleased to have with me today Mike Myatt. He's widely regarded as America's top CEO coach, and he's the author of Leadership Matters, the CEO Survival Manual. He's a Forbes leadership columnist, and he's the managing director and chief strategy officer at Into Growth. He's been widely recognized as one of the world's top 25 leadership experts and is acclaimed for his contributions in the field of leadership. He's also a syndicated columnist and contributing editor on topics of leadership and innovation. His works are read by more than 1 million people per month. His theories and practices have been taught at many of the nation's top business schools, and his work has been noted in several publications, including Forbes, Psychology Today, The Washington Post, The Wall Street Journal, Washington Times, Entrepreneur, Chicago Sun-Times, Success, CIO Magazine, and others. He's also the author and moderator of the award-winning Into Growth blog, and he also made the Dose of Leadership's Top 20 Leadership Experts of 2013, if you've seen my post. Mike, what a thrill and honor to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm great, Rich. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to finally talk to you. I know we've been working to try to get this uh, for, I don't know, four or five weeks, and I know you're a busy man, so I appreciate you taking the time. So give us a little, I give a, you know, your bio there, but tell me a little bit more about yourself, how you got kind of passionate about leadership and and what makes you tick about it. You know, it's a a great question. uh, When I'm asked about leadership, I, I and to reflect all the way back to my youth, I've, I've, I've more or less always considered myself a leader. Um, and I think it's just matured over time. I, I don't think leadership is a destination at the continuum. So it's just, it's a journey that, uh, you travel and as time goes on, you, you tend to find bits and pieces of it that start to make more sense and you can put it all together. But, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy what I do. I, I have the opportunity to, uh, write, teach, and speak about leadership on a daily basis, and I just can't think of a better place to uh, to spend my time. So that's that's more or less what I do and how I do it. So it started even as a kid. You know, I've talked to a few people, and some have always said, you know, I've always just felt saw myself in that leadership role. And you, and, and you find people in situations. Sometimes you, there's people that are automatically, you know, will take charge of the list or take charge of the next action. You would consider yourself in that kind of realm. You were always that kind of kid or the guy that was always kind of stepping forth and taking charge? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I chuckle every now and then. My wife uh, actually found a, a first-grade report card, and the teacher noted me as being extremely bossy. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that that's a great leadership quality, but I, I, I think I was uh, an extrovert from a very early age. And then uh, I, I guess really it, it started to dawn on me in high school. And I, I was a pretty athletic kid growing up, and my baseball coach took me aside one day, and he goes, Mike, you know, you guys will follow you anywhere. Why don't you start leading them towards good things instead of bad things? You know, and, and I started, I started scratching my head and I said, well, you know, maybe you've got a point there. And so, you know, there's a difference between being a Pied Piper and being a leader. So right. getting somebody to follow you is pretty easy. Leading them well can be particularly challenging. Yeah, why is it? What, explain some of those differences. Expound on that. Well, I think, you know, if you have initiative, if you have charisma, if you have, if you have certain innate qualities, I, I think people want to find somebody to follow. They yeah. look to follow people. The, the question is, are you following the right people for the right reasons? Mm-hmm. And do leaders really um, value who they are and the burden of responsibility and privilege that they hold as a leader? So, you know, if you're in a position of leadership, that doesn't make you a leader. But if you're in a position of leadership, you will lead. Will you lead people towards the right things or towards the wrong things? People will watch, they'll follow. And so you really have to be disciplined. You have to take it seriously. And you really have to have the best interests of those who you lead at heart. I mean, if leadership is about you and not about those you're leading, uh, you're not really a leader. You might be on an ego trip or a power trip, but you're not leading. Yeah. I like that. What advice would you have for guys like myself, someone who kind of came uh, to leadership later in life, uh, found that, you know, I, I had the, the, the kind of the myth or the perception of leadership that it is all about the charisma and the, the larger-than-life personality. I've come to learn that you know, leadership is a lot more deeper than that for sure. And I love leading. I love being in leadership challenges. But I was never the guy, like you said, when I was you know, the kid, I never wanted to be the guy really out front. I was a little uncomfortable about being out front. Less so now, but I love um, influencing people, helping them become better than what they, they believe they're, they're capable of because that happened to me. What is your best advice for someone like myself who was a little more introverted um, but kind of bloomed late in life feeling that they do have leadership qualities. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think it's a matter of being an introvert or an extrovert or at some point in between the two. I, I think it's a matter of, of taking the qualities that you have and building upon them. So, yeah. um, you know, I, it's the old born versus made argument. You know, I think all of us are born with certain intrinsic qualities, and some of us do more with them than others. Some of them develop them. Uh, to a higher level than others, but wherever you are, it, it's about taking the gifts that you have and building on those so that you can help others with their giftedness. Because again, leadership is never really about the leader, it's about those you lead. And so I, I think when, when leaders turn things inward, they, they start to lose their compass. Uh, you know, th- things start to wander a few degrees off center, and that's where people get themselves into trouble. But if you're truly focused on helping those you lead and making them better, and, and frankly, making them leaders, 
that that's that's where a lot of the qualities almost become irrelevant. If you yeah. view yourself as the classic servant leader, um, and you're really about engaging the people around you, making them better, helping them uh, along their path, good things tend to happen. So I, I think once your ego gets out of the way and and humility becomes a, a little bit more of a dominant characteristic than hubris, you know, good things tend to happen. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's perfect. You're right. You take care of them, they're going to take care of you. And I think that you get past that limiting belief, like you said, of about the hubris, that it is about the, the humility and taking care of them. It's not about you. It's about them. And you're right. Good things will happen in, in due course. I love that. I love what you wrote about a month or so ago, and, and I think what's critical, and I think a lot of things that I, I wish I would see more poor people doing, and I think it's a, as as far as leadership, is challenging the status quo. You wrote a I love your article about 10 things every leader should challenge. Can you talk to me about that? What prompted you to write that? And, and let's, let's dive into that, that article a little bit, would you? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think really leadership is an evolving state. Yeah, and if you're in a position where your thoughts are static, your leadership is static, everything else around you um, becomes static, and, and that's not leading. So, you know, what leaders always need to do is, is challenge everything in their field of view, and, and most particularly challenge themselves. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of uh, tend to believe that status quo is mediocrity's best friend. So, you know, if you ever become too comfortable with what is, and you forget to ask the question, what if, uh, you know, you're, you're not doing your job as a leader. Your job is always to be moving the ball forward because if you're not, um, you're, you're not helping those you're supposed to be leading. So, you know, challenging everything, challenging the vision, challenging values, challenging alignment, uh, you know, challenging those around you, challenging uh, diversity of thought, uh, you know, any, anything that you can look at and validate or invalidate is going to advance the ball. So anytime you become overly accepting, you're, you're starting to rest on your laurels, you're starting to get comfortable, and, and you're not pushing the envelope the way you need to. Yeah, one of my great mentors that I had, and I love, and it always sticks with me, he, and he was one of the first that really challenged me when I'd come in and have a great idea. He would always ask why, and he would just incessantly ask why. He had a kind of a kind of the rule of asking why five times to get the real root of what we're trying to do, and, and that's kind of what at the mm-hmm. heart of what you're doing is always challenging, right? Instead of just accepting everything, let's just ask why. And um, is that the heart of what you're talking about there? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, it's it's an interesting thing. When, when you listen to people in positions of leadership and they start to complain, uh, you know, that's a, that's a real, you know, it's beyond a yellow flag. It's kind of a red flag because if you're complaining about talent, you know, whose fault is that? If you're complaining about a lack of resources, you know, that's just telling people you're not very resourceful. So you, you really have to look at if if you don't like the culture, challenge the construct of the culture. If you if you really get to the root of why you're doing things and challenge that on a consistent basis, it, it's a refining initiative. So you, you become a little bit, you have a little bit better thinking process, and that drives a little bit better outcomes. And as long as you travel that path on a consistent basis, you're going to be fine. But whenever you get comfortable, whenever you go, hey, things 
things are where they need to be, that's probably when you should really start looking around and asking why. You know, it kind of ties into your latest post too about the new normal. I guess with the, you know the the chaos, I look around, I get nervous every now and then about the, you know the direction of the economy and the world economy and everything else. You had some refreshing words there about well, look, you know, you know, everybody, and that's kind of the new buzzword now, the new normal, right? And um, mm-hmm. you kind of attack it and say, well, look, you know, it, it you should shouldn't be scared by it. You should be excited and 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 embrace it, and you should kind of embrace. I don't know if chaos is the right word, but uh, I don't know. Maybe is that, is that the right way to look at it? Kind of embrace the chaos that, that's kind of in front, of, in front of us and learn how to innovate from it? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, you, you can look at challenges as barriers or obstacles, or you can see them as opportunities. And, and, I, and I think the chance to change and develop and grow and, enter, and innovate is really an opportunity-based way of thinking. So when I see changes in the landscape, even if they don't appear to be positive, they, they create an opportunity. And, and it's really a leader's job to look at that and not, not have a bunker mentality and back down the hatches and, and pull, pull everything back in. But it's to say, hey, you know, how, how can I exploit this opportunity? How can I advance our, our vision? How do I use this to create um, something better than what presently exists. How can how can this help me reframe my thinking? Uh, how can I redistribute my resources or my assets to take advantage of, of the current climate or the current conditions? So it's really a perception issue. I mean, how how your particular worldview um, can again be. Uh, a worldview that embraces the status quo or one that looks to shatter it. So, yeah, I think there's a consistent thread there, right? You know, I love what you write there, too, about, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, if if a business does bad in an economic downturn, then maybe it really wasn't a good business model anyway. Is that right? Is that, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I I think so many people confuse, uh, Confuse doing doing well with with actual success, and I think a- anybody anybody can navigate uh, during good times. Uh, a- anybody can be successful when things come relatively easily. But when things get a little dicey out there, that's the true test of a leader. That's the true test of a business model. That's a true test of. Uh, business acumen. So, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think it's the people that thrive when challenged that are are the real leaders. Those that tend to fall by the wayside during challenges, you know, probably didn't do the things they should have done during the good times to prepare for the bad times because, you know, the, the reality is you're you're either headed into a storm or you're coming out of a storm. But if if you're if you're sailing on calm waters, it's only a temporary, only a temporary uh, state. It's not going to last forever. Yeah, I love what you write there. A bad economy doesn't cause good leadership to become bad. It simply reveals poor leadership, no longer able to hide behind frothy market conditions. Yeah, you know, I, I've always said that. You know, companies don't fail, products don't fail, projects don't fail, leaders fail. Yeah. And so when, when when you look at something that goes wrong, examine the leadership. You know, I, you know, 
poor leadership's fingerprints are going to be all over the place. So, you know, you can really trace most good things and most bad things to the quality or lack thereof of the leadership that was present at the time. Yeah. And it kind of goes, you know, hand in hand back to the challenging piece of it that you said, you know, I know one of my big pet peeves is, is the talent piece of it. And I know it gets over, you know, maybe it's cliche to talk about, you know, it's all about the people, but it really is. I mean, it's a, that's a truth. It's an underlying truth about leadership. But how do we how do we challenge the talent that that we're dealt with? I mean, sometimes it just seems like we're faced with such mediocrity and and so much entitlement. It seems to be. How do you challenge the talent? Well, it, you know, it it all starts with acquiring the right talent to begin with. You know, and I think you know too many people. Um, don't have uh, a high enough chinning bar during the talent acquisition process. So, you know, it, if you let the wrong people through the door, if they if they don't have value alignment or vision alignment, if they if they don't possess some of the right qualities and characteristics, i.e., having you know character or integrity. I mean, if you compromise. At the beginning, it, it makes everything else that much more difficult uh, as time goes on. So I, I think, you know, really making sure that, you know, the right people are on the bus, that, that type of philosophy. But then when they enter the organization, making sure that they're developed. And, and this is a real, uh, a real problem that I see, Rich, is a lot of organizations don't really have much of a development track. I mean, yeah. they do some training. They do some training here and there. But development is reserved for you know the the people that are dubbed as high potentials. Those people that fit into the nine box, the top twenty, fifty, hundred people in an organization, depending on the size. But everybody else, you know, there there isn't really a place for them to plug in until they reach a certain level. And I think that's a tragic mistake. I think I think the minute somebody enters an organization, there ought to be a development track for them to plug into because otherwise you're gonna lose a lot of great talent before you even understand that they were talented. I agree. And I think that I don't know, everything that I've seen in the places that I've worked, it's such a challenge. It's all with good intentions, too. Everybody says it, and the, the buzzwords are there. But there's no meat behind the developing everybody, everybody to think and act like a leader. And I still think that it's it's still, you know, from what I've seen, and you, you see this more than I do, but it just seems like from my pers- perspective that it's just the leadership development is for the select few. And, and I do think that's a tragedy, too, because if you get more people to think and act like a leader at every level, uh, that's when the creativity, that's when the decision-making becomes exciting. That's when you get the decentralized decision-making. That's when you get the, the creative solutions to the problems. Um, that's what I wish I would see more of. Yeah, I, I mean, if you, if you examine the best organizations, the most complex decisions are driven down and wide. I mean, they're made closest, mm-hmm. the, the decisions are made closest to the to the people and places that they impact. So if all your decisions are made at the top of an organization, that's a sign that, that you don't have a very deep bench. That's a sign that you don't trust your people, your processes, your talent. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just... It's just a sign that uh, you've got a lot of work to do. But if you look at a great organization where where they really set things up so that, uh, you know, even people that don't have very impressive titles are able to make uh, big decisions and 
You know, that, that's a pretty impressive thing. And there are not a lot of enterprises or organizations out there that trust their people to that degree. And that gets back to the whole talent acquisition thing. If you don't trust somebody to be on your team, why are they there? Yeah. You know, that's great advice for, you know, especially if a CEO is listening. But what about folks that are stuck right there in the middle? I've asked a, a few of my interviews, I've asked the same question. What advice would you give to someone that, you know, maybe it's that mid-level manager, maybe it's a supervisor or even below, and they're in an organization, they understand the concept of common sense leadership, but they don't necessarily see it from being emulated from up above. What can they do to help kind of start driving that culture towards that, what they think is right? Well, I, I, I think it gets back to motivation. And, you know, if, if your motivation is organization first, you second, you know, that that's one thing. But if you're all about uh, protecting your job, protecting the status quo, uh, not making any waves, it's going to be pretty hard to affect change. So, you know, you have to be able to embrace a certain element of personal risk in order to be an effective leader. So if, if you look at your position in an organization and say, well, you know, I can't really make any changes here and everything's stacked against me and so I'm just going to play uh, according to the rules and I'm just going to check the boxes. Well, you know, you, you might keep your job, but you're, you're not really leading and you're not really being effective and you're kind of copping out. So I, I think, you know, leadership clearly is an aggregation of skills, but mostly it's a decision. At some point in time, you have to step up and decide that you want to lead. And if you're not willing to embrace some of the risks that go along with that, then you either sentence yourself to a life of mediocrity, or maybe you just maybe you just decide that you should unplug and go do something else in another organization that has an alignment of values. So, you know, there's just some personal decisions that you have to make, and you know, you, you live with the decisions that you make, and you do the best that you can. And not everybody's willing to do what's necessary to affect change. Yeah, no, that's great. You hit some great points that I love love to highlight. And again, it's not a participant. I mean, it's not a spectator sport. It is a participation sport and you have to be willing and understanding that there is risk involved that's that's for sure but i think it's what's been exciting is when i've seen those individuals and those that have done what you said it's like okay yes i'm going to make the choice you know it's not about me it is about the mission the organization the purpose the value that i am completely 100 percent behind this is what's right this is what i'm going to do it is amazing to see what happens when when those types of individuals and those actions take place well, you know, leadership is a contagion, you know, positive or negative. So, you know, if, you, if, if you're willing to embrace a little bit of risk, and, I, and I'm not saying throw caution to the wind yeah, and right. be impulsive and do silly things, but if you're acting in the best interest of those you lead, in the best interest of the enterprise, you know, even if you're, even if you're swimming upstream, that's going to catch on. And so, you know, I, I think leading by example is something that is regrettably somewhat of a, a lost art form today. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think, you know, it's incumbent upon a leader to, to do the right thing because if a leader isn't going to do the right thing, the people, you know, that are working with that leader are, are also going to have angst and trepidation about doing the right thing. So if you're going to be in a position of leadership, lead otherwise, you know, go do something else. Yeah, great. You got a new book coming out in the fall, is that correct? Did, did I read that somewhere? Yeah, yeah. I got a new one coming out this fall. It's 
title is Hacking Leadership. Say that title again, I'm sorry? Hacking Leadership. Oh, what, oh great. What's it about? You know, it's a... I, I've, I've developed a theory over the last few years that, uh, you know, the principles of leadership have largely remained the same since the dawn of time. Right. I mean, they're time-tested, they're proven, they're true. But, but how they're applied in this era takes a little bit of skill. And so you, you can't just come to the table um, with, with a few tricks in your tool bag and think you're going to lead well. You literally have to be very contextually sensitive, environmentally sensitive. You, you have to be able to learn to take these time-tested principles and use them in new and different ways. And, and so what I've come up with is what I call about a dozen leadership hacks. So, you know, it's how to deal with with different aspects of leadership um, in a current fashion, in a relevant fashion, that doesn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So it allows you to keep your values and your principles intact, but still navigate the complexities of today's world. Hmm. Any examples that you can share with me? I mean, that you've piqued my curiosity there. What uh, <laughs> I agree with you that you know they are the leadership principles. They just existed there for all of us to to um, discover and to to deal with. Um, I guess you know is it is it more of a tech? Is the challenge more technology? The speed at which things happen, um, without giving too you know, much. It's, 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 yeah, it's all of those things. I mean, clearly things happen at a faster pace today, so the pacing is different. Uh, you know, there's there's much more of a global context today than there than mm, there was. Yeah. Uh, you know, previous points in history. Um, you, you have diversity issues, uh, which are are different today than they were at, at uh, again, uh, previous points in time. So it, it's really looking at a lot of different things, the, the knowledge that's out there, the data that's out there. Um, there's so many different inflection points that need to be understood and and synchronized in order to be effective that, that it's just challenging. So what, what I find, Rich, is everybody has blind spots, and, mm-hmm. and the trick is is to be able to identify those in a proactive fashion and deal with them. And, and so, you know, I, I guess I would use um, a gap as a good example. So, you know, lots of different types of gaps exist, positional gaps, philosophical gaps, organizational gaps, resource gaps, and, you know, the list goes on. So your job as a leader is to mitigate those gaps. You either close them all together and eliminate them or you shrink them. But, you know, if there's a gap, you have to figure out how to deal with that. And the first step is identifying them. And then the second step is is mitigating them. So if you can teach people how to hack their way through some of these complexities, and complexity is a great example. We live in a very, very complex world to the extent that people actually believe complexity and sophistication to be synonymous, and I think that's a huge mistake. Yeah. I think that's a huge, huge assumption. I think the ultimate form of elegance and sophistication is simplicity. Yeah. So as a leader, as a leader, you want to simplify the complex. You want to simplify everything that you come in contact with. So as you look at an organization, as you look at processes, as you look at structures, as you look at guidelines, 
you know, look at what's there and try and simplify it. And that's going to make everybody's life better. It's going to help align things, shape things, refine things, drive things. But I, I suppose the 20% rule, I can walk into any organization on the planet and probably eliminate 20% of their processes just in a nanosecond, and they're going to be better off for it. I mean, these are legacy issues. It's institutionalized thinking. It's, it's, it's people saying, well, this exists, therefore it must be good. Yeah. Um, that's not always the case. In fact, that's usually not the case. Well, I love that. I love the idea of trying to get everything simple. You know, as we all know, that's the real difficult challenge, right? How to get to the simplicity is not necessarily that easy, but you're so right. You can just, if you could eliminate so much of that kind of excess weight, uh, yeah. No, I'm excited. That, that sounds like a great book. I'm looking forward to, to reading that when it comes out. So, yeah, it, it should be fun. I mean, it, you know, it, like anything, I don't, I don't think there's any secret sauce out there, but no. it, it, sometimes you can just use a different lens or a different filter and see things just just in a little bit different form, that can have a significant impact in the way that you're able to influence things uh, in, in your world. And so if, if I can offer folks a few tools to help them uh, navigate things a little bit better, then, then that's a great thing. Well, so where they, can they find you? I know they got to, you got MikeMite.com, but I mean, uh, where I found you was on your column on Forbes, but uh, where, where are all the places people can find you? Oh, I'm not hard to find. <laughs> yeah, you're easy to you find. Know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Mike Myatt. Uh, you know, I've, I've got the Forbes column. Uh, I, I write a blog on our company uh, website at ncgrowth.com, um, Facebook, LinkedIn. I mean, just if you just Google Mike Myatt, you'll find a path to my door stuff. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, Mike, it's been a true privilege and honor having you on the show. It's been fun talking about leadership. We'll have you come back again sometime. Yeah, I enjoy it. Rich, I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Yep, we'll talk to you again. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.